of any of you sons of bitches. Got anything else to say? Now's the fucking time! Welcome to the Jake Brown Podcast. I am your host, Jake Brown. Not a DJ. Not a DJ. But I did figure out how to get music off my phone and into this show. So I'm pretty happy with that. The only bad part right now is uh, I can't just use any music. The music I would like to use is uh, copyright protected. So if I just play it and somehow get caught playing it, I open myself up to get sued. And I don't feel like getting sued. So I found some Spotify playlists that are copyright free music. And I mean, that's the one I picked. So you can only imagine the ones that I didn't pick. All right. <laughs> there's some there's some bad ones in there. There's some bad. This is the best of the bad ones. I'll keep looking. There's got to be other stuff out there. But in a pinch, <laughs> this one will do. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep using it. At least it's got a good beat. I mean, it reminds me of something that I might have grown up to. When I was uh, younger, like, you know, high school and in college, the cool thing, and I don't know if people still do this. I feel like they don't because I, I don't hear it as much. But, like, the cool thing to do was to, you know, get the big subwoofers and, you know, the amps and literally cause your eardrums to explode inside your head while driving down the road, not being able to focus on anything your eyeballs were about ready to vibrate out of your fucking skull uh, I had so many friends that did that and you would see it constantly no matter where you went I don't know if it was just like a 90s thing oh my god it was so obnoxious that is I'm thankful that was one like fad I never participated in or was ever interested in and I knew plenty of people who were I mean, you couldn't even have a conversation. Like the music, the bass would be so loud, it would hurt your head. It would like, I think it would actually cause your heart to beat funny at times. Like there's no way that that's good for you. No way whatsoever. So, yeah. That's my music for now. I'll keep looking for other stuff. If you find something that's good, just shoot it my way <laughs> give me some suggestions it just can't be copyright protected because uh like i said i don't feel like getting sued you know that would not be fun um hey quick update i wanted to give everyone a caffeine drug and sugar update still going strong you know i had my little scheduled relapse on thanksgiving but i didn't even have caffeine then i still haven't had caffeine now it's almost been a month uh my sugar way down like way 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 down i did indulge in a german chocolate cupcake last night 
but I only had one. One was all that was available. So I guess that's the only reason I had one. But still, I could have easily been like, fuck this, I'm going to go to the store and just buy a bunch of cookies and maybe a pie and a cake. I didn't. I had the one, and honestly, it was so sweet that I'm not really sure I, I wanted another one. And as far as the old cannabis goes, nothing. Nothing this week. I haven't even had a desire to have an edible or to smoke a joint or to take some bong rips. None whatsoever. I'm just enjoying not being high. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it it's way more fun to be high than it is to be drunk. Like I have no desire to ever be drunk again. But it is fun to get high. I got to I got to be honest. Your outlook on the world is very different. Everything is funny. Everyone's your friend for the most part. Life is just good, man. Life is just uh it, it's easy to put it on cruise control when you're smoking the ganja, okay? It's very easy to just cruise through the day. But I've had no desire to do that since Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know, man. Just doing my workouts. That's kind of been the, the priority. Uh, my sleep has been better. So, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get high again at some point. I mean, once a stoner, always a stoner. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't have the desire. So that's a little update for that. I got a good show today. Uh, I'm going to probably talk about something that 99.9% .9 of you aren't going to give two shits about. All right? MotoGP. Uh, I got a good Bard question. This is essentially, from a Bard standpoint, it's, it's been fight week. Okay? You know how, like, National Geographic... They do Shark Week. That well, this has been fucking fight week here for my Ask Bard. So I'm just rolling with it the rest of this week. Okay, this is fight week. This is Bard fight week. All right. So I got a good Bard, and then I have neglected my boxing corner probably this whole week. Now that I think about it, I mean it's only Wednesday, but uh, I do have one thing that I want to talk about. Just a quick little thing for my uh, for my boxing corner. All right, let's uh, let's get into MotoGP. Um, and you know what? I'm not even going to explain what MotoGP is. You can you can Google it. You know, I'm passionate about motorcycle racing. I'm passionate about MotoGP and World Superbike. I want people who don't know what it is do some research, learn about it, find out what it's about, go to YouTube. Watch some highlights. It's crazy. Here's a short list of racers that you can Google or go to YouTube and look up to find out a little bit more about the sport and kind of what it entails. So obviously, I think we have co-goats at this point. I think it's safe to say we have co-goats. All right. Valentino Rossi, arguably the best racer ever. But then you will get a lot of pushback from the Mark Marquez camp. 
Okay. We also have Casey Stoner. If you look up those three riders, racers, Mark Marquez is the only one that's still racing. Uh, Rossi retired a couple years ago, and Casey Stoner retired like, I don't know, eight years ago or something. Uh, you will see some highlights of some races, and you're going to see a whole bunch of other racers that are amongst them that are also, they're all incredible. They're all incredible. Okay. So just do a little research. If you want to look up some world superbike racing, look up Johnny Ray, look up Toprick, Razgagliagu. Good luck spelling that one. Uh, you can look up Ben Spees. Uh, you know, those are, those are some names you can look up, and you'll find a whole bunch of highlights and videos uh, surrounding World Superbike, which is equally as exciting. Honestly, it's more bang for the buck because you get three races in a weekend as opposed to MotoGP where you get, really, you get one and a half. Um, but yeah, go out there, find some highlights. It's good stuff. Uh, the reason that I'm excited for the 2024 MotoGP season, there is so much movement. I can't remember a season where there's been this much movement from some real heavy hitters, like some, some guys that have won a lot of races. Okay. Zarco. Well, he hasn't won a lot of races, but he did win one race. And let's be honest, a lot of people in the MotoGP media were all saying Zarco does not have what it takes to win at the MotoGP level. He was a two time Moto2 world champion. Okay. And that's a ridiculously tough class to win in. It's a very deep, deep class. All right. But he won back to back world titles and he moves up to the premier class first with Yamaha. Then he had a really unsuccessful stint, short stint with KTM with their factory team. And, uh, you know, they they allowed him the mutual. They broke the contract. Uh, neither side was really happy with what was going on. And for a brief time he was unemployed and then lcr honda i think it was uh, uh one of the lcr honda bikes he was able they allowed him to race and he finished like in the top 10 having never been on a honda before and then that essentially secured him a ride with the pramac ducati but he is now off back to honda with the lcr team so that'll be exciting um I think they're probably using him from a from a data standpoint and a testing standpoint. You know, he's, he is a, a an amazing he's an amazing rider, and the data that they can get from him while they're developing the RC two thirteen V is going to be pretty fucking cool. Um, also moving to Honda from the VR forty six team, Luca Marini, and I'll get into the seat that he's taking a little bit later. But he moves over to the factory Repsol Honda team. I think that's going to be a good fit. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like people talk shit about Marini. Like he's he's a good rider. You know, he's this season he was consistently fighting for podiums. He hasn't had any wins either in the sprints or in the the main races. But he's had multiple podiums. He's had multiple pole positions. The dude is fast. He's just fast. Okay, you, you can't teach speed, 
he's got speed. He's, I think he's going to do well on the Honda. At least I'm hoping he does because uh, Honda has not been good the last maybe four or five years. They haven't had a lot of success. And they are one of the teams I feel like MotoGP is better when Repsol Honda is strong. So when they're down, it's just, it's not good. It's not good overall for the sport, in my opinion. Uh, leaving LCR Honda and joining the factory Yamaha, I'm excited. Alex Rins, uh, God, man, talk about, talk about, and I'm going to get in, I'll, I'll say a little bit about Joanne Mir as well. Rins and Mir. Two factory Suzuki riders. You talk about sky's the limit, all right? Joanne Mir wins the 2020 MotoGP World Championship, and people want to discredit it, put asterisks by it. It was the COVID season. They didn't have as many rounds. Shut the fuck up, all right? Every racer out there had an equal opportunity to win that title, and Mir won it, okay? The dude's legit. He's an amazing rider. And you could even argue that Renz was probably more talented, has definitely won more races. And then up and out of nowhere, Suzuki gets rid of their entire MotoGP race program. Done. Fucking gone. The only thing Suzuki is doing is world endurance racing. And I'm not even sure if, like, Suzuki is actually helping them. I think those guys are just using Suzuki's. I'm sure they're getting some help from them. I mean, you know, what do you do with all those parts? <laughs> you know? Like, they still got to make parts. Like, they still make all the Jixer lineups. Um, but, yeah, they're just, they were gone. They just up and quit. For whatever the reasons, the public reasons were, you know, they wanted to focus on, you know, like, I don't know, environmentally friendly vehicles. You know, they have a whole car division that most people, at least in the U.S., don't realize. Like, Suzuki doesn't just make motorcycles. You know, they make a lot of four-wheeled vehicles. And uh, I think they wanted to go in that direction. But uh, they were done in MotoGP. So here's poor Renz and Mir, two of the, of the better riders in the in the gp paddock out of a ride just like that now obviously they were quickly snatched up uh mir gets picked up by repsol honda and then Renz goes to the lcr one of their sat honda satellite teams the lcr honda team but that honda has just been a turd like that bike is that bike i cannot believe has not killed someone like those guys could not ride that bike no one could. There was one person. Okay, there's one person who could ride the RC213V. One. Everybody else was just along for the ride. And they would have moments of greatness. You know, Renz actually won a race earlier this year at Coda. Um, I mean, he dominated that weekend, too. Like, he fucking dominated that weekend. Uh, but that was it. Like, that's really the only success. You know, I, I think maybe a handful of sprint podiums, but 
that bike has just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And God, poor Renz and Mir. I'm like, I imagine if Suzuki had kept their GP program going, I feel like Renz could have won the world title. Like their final season, he was on fire that year. I think he won like the last two races. I mean, he had a handful of podium. Like he was kicking ass. And then poof. Like their whole career trajectory changed in a heartbeat. Everything changed for them, you know? God, like imagine being those two racers thinking, you know, here's Mir. I've won one world championship. I want to win another one. And here's Renz thinking, I've won multiple races and I'm am constantly fighting for wins and podiums. Right on the verge. He he was right on the verge of of a legitimate shot at being world champion. And then the rug just gets pulled out from both of them. I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow, you know. But to not look at it emotionally, okay, and a lot of people, they like to look at these, these decisions emotionally. This is a business. Sports is a business. And professional sports is a serious business, okay? And shit like this just happens sometimes. And you just got to roll with the punches. So I'm happy that Renz is off to factory Yamaha. He, he is a factory rider. He deserves to have a factory seat. And I hope that between him and Quattararo, uh, they, can, they can get the, the M1 kind of back up to, back up to being competitive. Um, I, I got to admit, you know, I, I definitely have a soft spot for Yamaha. Yamahas are what I always raced. I did a short stand on Suzuki's, and I just didn't really, I didn't really mesh with the bikes. I did a, a GSXR 1000 and a 600, and uh, just wasn't for me. I I never really liked the feel of them, but the Yamahas, oh baby, they're amazing bikes, and I I really hope that they get their shit together. Hopefully, with the new concessions. Uh, that are being allowed now, the the Japanese bikes will be able to catch back up with the European bikes. Uh, we got Franco Morbidelli, who is leaving the factory Yamaha. And man, talk about having a, a tough couple years with factory Yamaha. You know, he was with the Padronas Yamaha team, the satellite team. On at one point, I think was a two-year-old bike, a fucking two-year-old bike, and he finished second in the world championship, and had multiple wins that season and multiple podiums. On a two-year-old bike, what you need to understand is the oldest bikes that you're gonna find on that grid are one season old. Okay. So all these factory riders who were on the 2023 bikes this year, they all go to their new 2024 bikes and all these satellite teams, all right? The, the Gas Gas, they're getting the KTM's hand-me-downs. Uh, you have the, the RNF. Well, it's no longer the RNF, Aprilia team. Now they're some, I think they're cryptocurrency something. Uh, 
they're on Aprilia's, you know, 2023 bikes for next year. You know, while the factory guys are on the 24 bikes, you know, the the LCR guys, they're going to be on the 2023 version next year, while the Repsol Honda guys are going to be on the, the 2024s, you know? Well, poor Franco was on a fucking two-year-old bike at one point, and he was crushing it, absolutely dominating. Like, no one could believe it. The bike was totally underpowered. But he was able to make it work. It was pretty cool to watch. So I was like, man, when he gets to the factory team, I I really thought that he was going to be a world championship contender. And he ended up like blowing out his knee at one point and had knee surgery and was never really right after that. And even like he's shown glimpses of uh, of the speed that he had. But things between him and Yamaha became very contentious. And I think the divorce that they have now had was, uh, was definitely for the best for both sides. So he has moved over to Pramac Ducati. He will actually be on a 2024 spec, uh, Desmo, Desmo Dici, whatever they call him. Um, so I, I'm excited for him. Uh, Man, the one guy that I've been worried would not have a ride, and I've talked about him in a couple other podcasts, Fabio Antonio. he got a ride, okay? He got screwed over on his last race. He finished second. He finished second in the last race, but because of that stupid fucking tire pressure rule, he got dinged with a three-second penalty which bumped him down to fourth place. I don't give a shit. He's, to me, he's second. To me, he finished on the podium. What was bullshit is that he didn't even find out about it until like after, way after, like an hour, hour and a half after the, the race was over. Like the podium ceremony had already happened. Interviews had been done. Champagne had been sprayed and consumed. Hugs have been given. And then... Way after the fact, hey, by the way, uh, Mr. DG Antonio, yes, your tire pressure was too low for two of the 27 laps. Get the fuck out of here. What a stupid fucking rule. And next year, okay, first fucking tangent here that I'm going to go off on. Next year, they don't get any warnings. All right. This year, they were getting one warning, and then on your second infraction, you're getting a three-second penalty. Next year, it's straight to DQ. You get disqualified. 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 Disqualified, little John. I know. It's, uh, it's going to screw some people's chances at at winning a championship next year it's going to cost people podiums and it's going to cost people race wins and i i don't understand i understand legally or from a liability standpoint why they're doing it but trying to have a minimum and a maximum 
is uh, you're guessing. These guys are get these engineers who are setting these pressures are absolutely guessing as to what it's going to be. If you're behind someone for too long and you're not getting clean air hitting that tire, helping to cool it down, your tire pressure is going to spike. But then on the flip side, if you somehow crush your start and you find yourself out in front from like the third row, well, now your tire isn't going to get as high in pressure as you thought it might. <laughs> so just have a fucking low pressure. It can't be under this amount and get rid of the high, the whole high pressure part of it. Oh my God. It's just so, as a fan, as someone who's passionate about MotoGP, it is infuriating to see someone have a podium taken away from them over something that is 100% out of their control. All right. That little rant is over. Uh, the G Antonio is moving to the VR46 team. I am extremely happy for him. Uh, it, it's a one-year contract, but fuck it. He, he has another year to prove himself that he belongs. And if he, has, if he starts off next year and continues the way that the second half of this season went, he will find another ride. Or VR46 will offer him a two-year deal. I, I firmly believe that. So I'm pulling for him. I mean, I'm pulling for all these guys. I want them all to be successful. Um, there's a rookie that I feel like everyone is going to be keeping an eye on. And during the test, uh, the most recent test in Valencia, which was yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday. Whatever time it was in Spain at the time. Here it was like two in the morning, yesterday morning. Um, Pedro Acosta, he is the he 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 won the Moto Two World Championship this year. He was I don't I don't want to say he was dominant, but man, he really made a lot of those Moto Two guys look silly for a lot of the season. And uh, he's he's on the Gas Gas team, which means he'll be on a KTM and. Uh, It'll be cool to see him out there during the test. I mean, okay, I get it. Like, it's just testing. You know, it's not racing. Like, they're get, for him being a rookie, he's getting used to the bike, getting the feel for it, working on the electronics, you know, getting the ergonomics all set up, all that kind of stuff. I think he was still 18th out of like 25 or something like that plus all the other test riders that the factories have. Like, he, he really didn't do that bad. And he really wasn't that far off of uh, Maverick's overall time. He had the top time, by the way, like a 129-something. But Pedro, he wasn't that far off, you know? Very respectable. He looked good on that bike, too. I mean, he looked, he looked like he was more comfortable, almost, on the big bike as opposed to the little bike, the Moto2 bike, which I shouldn't say it's a little bike. Like, those things are still fast as shit. Um, but he, I feel like his style is going to translate very well. Plus, I like his attitude. A few weeks ago, he was interviewed, and uh, he, okay, mind you, he's a young kid. I think he's maybe 19, 20, somewhere in there. Like, he's, he's young. He's real young. And essentially, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, okay, he said, I'm sick and tired 
of how nice everyone is to each other, we need more rivalries in MotoGP. And I was like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, you can be nice to people, but I want to see some motherfuckers getting pissed off and riding angry. I want that. You know, I want there to be friction out there between these guys. Not like the way Alicia Spargo and Morbidelli had friction, where Alicia tried to punch Morbidelli while they were riding on the track. Like, maybe that's a little too much. But like, Rossi and Marquez, you know, when those guys were just going at each other, Rossi and Stoner, Lorenzo and everybody, because nobody liked Lorenzo. <laughs> I feel like. I mean, his crew chief, Yamaha, liked him. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people did not like him. Um, I feel like, and maybe this is an unfair comparison, but I feel like Acosta is going to have a style, and I'm hoping for this. I'm not hoping for the end result, but I'm hoping that he is going to be similar to Marco Simoncelli. Marco Simoncelli was an absolute maniac on a motorcycle he was an absolute maniac he ruffled everyone's feathers he didn't care if you loved him or hated him he just was riding as hard as he could every single second he was on that track and you know unfortunately he was killed in a racing incident and oh my god do i miss watching him ride he was so much fun to watch on a motorcycle and it was really cool at one point, Aprilia gave him a superbike to race during a world superbike round, and he actually finished on the fucking podium. <laughs> like, that's how good this guy was. He had a third place finish in a world, I think it was 2009. He actually, I think he, he punted Ben Spees on like the last lap and ended up finishing on the podium. But that's just how he was. Like, he was just a free spirit. He was a wild animal. Uh, and I'm hoping that Acosta is able to bring that fire uh, to, the, to the paddock. You know, he's young. He's hungry. Um, he's a little abrasive. You know, I mean, he's a nice kid. But I feel like he's got that, you know, he's got that, uh, I don't want to use this terminology, but I'm going to. He's got that dog in him. So stupid. <laughs> I feel like I'm too old to talk like that. <laughs> uh, but you get my point. I think he's I think he's gonna do good. And I'm excited to watch him race. And it was cool to see him out there on that test. I mean, he's already out there literally just two wheel drifting through turns, completely banked over, dragging his elbow. And I was like, oh fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. This is your first day on that bike, and you're already crushing it. So, come on, Pedro. <laughs> I'm pulling for you. All right. We got one more big movement. And this is the one that everyone is the most excited for. This is the one that everyone's been talking about. Initially, everyone was speculating about it. And then when the news finally broke, that Mark Marquez was leaving Repsol Honda after, what, eight world championships? And he was going to a satellite team, the Grissini Ducati. 
because he just needed out a Honda. You know, it had been a long time. He was getting beat up on that bike. He was the only one who could make that bike work. And even he couldn't really make that bike work. He somehow managed to get on the fucking podium in the sprint race this past weekend. The next closest Honda rider was like 18th place. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know about that Honda, I don't know what does. So he moves to Grissini Honda, or to uh, Grissini Ducati, excuse me. And when that garage door opens and they wheel that bike out for him to take his first lap, holy shit, you should have seen the number of photographers that were (laughs) taking pictures and video cameras. The number of media that were surrounding that garage, it was unbelievable. It was almost like the entire paddock stopped what they were doing because everyone knew something special was happening. And that special is Mark Marquez, arguably the greatest writer ever. Okay. And, you know, you can put Valentino Rossi up there. You know, Rossi has more world titles. Uh, but Mark Marquez, he has won from the second. I believe he won his second ever MotoGP race. And then he had, you know, he reeled off like 10 straight wins or some shit. Like it was insane what he did. I, no one has done what he's done. Okay. He has been dominant from the first lap that he took on that Honda testing. He has been dominant. And now he goes to arguably the best bike on the fucking grid, the Ducati. And I don't care what year Ducati it is. He'll be on the 23, but the 23 just won the world championship. And the 23 finished second in the world championship. And the 23 by Marco Bezzecchi finished third in the world champ. Okay, you, you see my fucking point here? He's on a bike that is way more than capable of dominating. Way more than capable of dominating. All right? Watching him ride around on that Ducati, it was a little weird because, you know, for the last decade, we've seen him on a Honda. But he was, basically, he was up to speed almost immediately. At one point, he had the fastest time of everyone that was out there. And overall, he ended up with the fourth fastest time. That was done on his 46th of 49 laps. He got 49 laps in. Like, I can't wait until they test again. And as far as I'm concerned, he is the odds-on favorite to be MotoGP world champion next season. When he gets comfortable on that bike, uh, I, I just don't see anyone beating him consistently you know like all these guys are amazing they're you know they're all capable of winning you know at that level all those guys can win but you're splitting hairs and it doesn't necessarily come down to their talent you know a lot of it comes down to the the bike they're on the support the factories are giving um 
tire choice. Like, there's so many variables that go into winning a race. But when you have Mark Marquez, your variables get fewer and fewer. <laughs> he is, Marquez is the variable killer. All right. And I am so fucking excited for 24 to watch MotoGP. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, hopefully the Hondas are going to be better. Um, I know in an interview that Joanne Mir did after testing, he said the, the new version of the RC213V is like almost night and day better from last year. But they still have a long way to go. So them... The Honda teams, all the Hondas and the Yamahas, uh, they have a lot of concessions, you know, which means that they're going to have the ability to do more testing than Ducati, Aprilia, and KTM. Uh, they're they're going to have the ability to have more motors, and they're actually going to have, I believe, more tires available to them. And there's some other stuff, and it is very, very confusing. Um, but essentially... Think of concessions in golf terms. They're uh, they're like your uh, your handicap, okay? So they're getting a little extra help to try to get them on par with the European bikes because the European bikes right now are head and shoulders above the Japanese bikes, and they're just trying to close that gap and create more parity, which for us the fans is a better show, okay? And that's what this is all about. You know, you put on the best show possible and the fans love it and they keep coming back for more. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they're able to close that gap. All right. That's my MotoGP little, uh, I guess. Well, I don't even know what it is. Uh, preview. Yeah, we'll call it a little preview for next year. Lots of movements. I, I, I'm excited. For 24, if you don't know what MotoGP is and you have more questions, feel free to reach out to me on social media. Did you know that I have a Twitter slash X account and an Instagram account? At Jake Brown Pod. DMs are open. Keep it appropriate. No pictures. I don't want to see anything weird from you guys. And gals, if you got MotoGP questions, if you have health-related questions, hit me up. If I can't find the answer, I'm sure I can point you in the right direction to someone who can help you. All right, moving on. Okay. Uh, fight week. We're, we're into, this is just barred fight week this week, all right? So I was laying in bed last night, and I was thinking, man, what are, the, what are the toughest animals? What are the toughest animals on earth, okay? What are the most badass, the five toughest, and it, it wasn't even animals. I just wanted to narrow it down to mammals. So I asked. Rank the top five toughest mammals on Earth. And I got to say, it's really not a bad list. One of them's a little, eh, you know. One of them's a little, eh. 
Well, you know, I, Bard, I think Bard is just kind of going off of, uh, you know, what humans input into it. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. It, it doesn't really know. So, it, and I'm going to go in reverse order. Number five, and I can kind of see how this animal is real tough. Would I have put it in my top five? I don't know. I probably wouldn't have thought to. The warthog. Think about how pissed off and angry warthogs are with their thick ass skin and their giant saber toothed tusks. Those things like eat bones. Have you seen the movie Snatch? I think it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Well, at one point, one of the mobsters like throws this dude into this corral with these like these wild pigs and they just ate this guy including the bones pigs are vicious pigs are fucking mean man pigs will fuck you up and these wild ones these boars like some of these wild like boar pig things they're hundreds of pounds could you imagine like a 500 pound fucking pig with spikes coming out of its face running at you angry and they eat bones you know the more i talk about this the more i think that the warthog should be ranked at number five number four <sighs> this one i have a little more of an issue with it's the cape buffalo the largest and most dangerous animal in Africa. I mean, are they more dangerous than an elephant? I feel like an elephant would just stomp on them. They're often referred to as, quote unquote, black death. Because of their aggressive nature and their ability to inflict serious injury with their horns. And I've seen some videos. I saw one video where... Like, this Pride Alliance had attacked one, and this fucking thing decided, no, not today, bitches, and was fighting back. And it had its horn hooked through the armpit of one of the tigers, or one of the lions, excuse me, and was just ragdolling this thing back and forth like it was a stuffed animal. And, I mean, eventually this lion was killed. Like, it was brutal. What a brutal way to die. Hook through the armpit, death by thrashing. Ah, that's one of the worst ways to go. So, okay, like, would I want to fight a buffalo? Fuck no, I would not want to fight a buffalo. I wouldn't want to fight any of these animals. Would I have put the buffalo ahead of, like, a polar bear? I don't know. Probably not. I feel like a starving polar bear is going to take that thing down and chew its throat out. But you never know. You know, buffaloes are insanely strong. Number three, the grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah, grizzly bear is on my list. Grizzly bear is on my list. Those things are just pissed off fucking. 
wolf-looking, teddy-bear-looking, giant-teeth-having, claws. I don't... What the fuck are bears? Are they... Re, what are they even related to? Are they just their own thing? Ah. The largest and most powerful bears in North America. They are apex predators. God, just this, that sound. Apex predator. They are not afraid to prey on other large mammals such as bison and elk. They have thick fur, powerful muscles, sharp claws and teeth. And they are intelligent and resourceful animals. Yeah, they'll get into your garbage. When men say that they think they can beat a bear in a fight, I mean, come on. These things stand up and they're like 80 feet tall and they weigh 50,000 pounds. You're not beating a fucking bear in a fight. All right? Oh, there's a lot of guns that won't even hurt these things. Let's be honest. The only reason that humans are as dominant as we are is because, one, we have opposing thumbs and the way we're able to use our brain. Look at all the shit we've created to help protect ourselves from fucking animals like bears. Because if I just lived in the woods, and let's, let's ignore the fact that I would probably freeze to death first before I fucking starve to death, a bear is going to kill me. I am helpless. Bear at number three, I'm for it. Number two, you know, I didn't think of this one. And when it popped up on the list, I was like, fuck yeah, uh, I agree with it 100%. Because I've seen what these things do to other animals, and I'm all for it. Wolverines. These things are insane. They have been known to fight off bears because they're just fucking crazy. They're angry all the time. You talk about an animal that is in a perpetual state of being hangry, that's a fucking wolverine. Those things don't like anybody. They don't like anything. They want to chew all the faces. A wolverine sees a face, chews it. Give me the face, I'm fucking chewing it. They're loners. They're by themselves. They're ridiculously powerful for how, for how small they are. And really, they're not that small. I mean, what are they, like the size of small fucking dogs? Only twice as strong. They're still fast. And they're hangry constantly. They got giant fucking claws on them. Tough as nails. They fear nothing. Whatever that part of our brain that allows us to have fear, you know, like self-preservation, fight or flight, nope. Wolverine. All they have is fight. They have two parts to their brain. Fight and chewing your fucking face off. That is all they have. Wolverine at number two. Fuck yeah, I'm for it. And number one, <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a better number one. The Wolverine follows in the footsteps of number one, the honey badger. The honey badger, you talk about being fearless. 
and ferocious and hangry? Are these things invincible? Has anyone ever seen a dead honey badger ever? Has anyone ever killed a honey badger? If you if you subscribe to this show, if you come across this show sometime, I want you to DM me at Jake Brown Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Tell me this story. I will figure out how all my fucking soundboard and shit works. I want to have you on the show. I want to hear this story about how you killed a honey badger because bullshit, you didn't kill a fucking honey badger. I'm saying you didn't. Prove me wrong. You got video? I'll fucking upload it. I don't care what PETA says. Fuck PETA. If you killed a honey bear, I want to share this story with the world. I think that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Man, they are kind of cute though, aren't they? Like, they almost like trick you. Like, you look at them and you think, oh, that's such a cute little whatever the hell it is with crazy looking teeth and black beady eyes. And then if, if you like, for some reason, you tried to pet it, it would rip your fucking arm off and beat you to death with it and then eat your face. Honey badger at number one. I'm 100% for it. I'm 100% for it. Hell yeah. That's not a bad list. You know, that's not a bad list. All right, we'll do another Bard one. We'll continue Bard Fight Week tomorrow. Jesus, fucking Bard. This is getting out of control. This is just taking on a whole life of its own. Okay? This is taking on a whole life of its own. It really has. And I'm for it. A completely unplanned segment has now just been a reoccurring thing. So this is fucking great. All right, we're going to end with my boxing corner because I've neglected my boxing progress. Here's one thing that has been going on uh, with me in boxing. And I notice it, especially when I'm doing mitt work, uh, is that, you know, coach will say like a combination that he wants me to do. And like, I'll be doing the combination and it'll be going well. And then I'll... Instead of like throwing a five, I'll throw a four. Okay. But here's, here's the issue that I'm now having with myself is that I'm trying to be perfect. All right. And it's impossible to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect in any sport ever. It's just not going to happen. You'll have glimpses of it, you know, when you get in the zone. But for the most part, like, Everyone makes mistakes, and I'm constantly going to make mistakes, and that's just the way really all sports are. But I get down on myself in the moment where I'll be like, oh, God, you know? Like, I'll grit my teeth, and I'll just get pissed at myself for a second. And then I'll immediately want to do it again to get it right, you know? But in boxing, it's okay if you throw a wrong punch. Fucking Throw it, though. If you meant to throw a five and you throw a four, fuck it. Throw the four and throw it hard 
and then get ready to throw something out. If I meant to throw a jab and I accidentally throw a two, fuck it, throw the two. My point with this is that if you're going to mess up, mess up 100%. Mess up 100%. I would rather mess up going full speed than try to stop what I'm doing mid-punch because in my mind, I'm overthinking what I'm doing and then I want to try to make it right. Well, all that's going to do is get me punched in the face. And I don't want to get punched in the face. It's unavoidable in boxing. Like, you're going to get punched in the face. But I'd rather not get punched in the face if I don't need to get punched in the face. You know what I mean? So this really applies to all sports, except for motorcycle racing. If you fuck up in motorcycle racing, you could kill yourself. So. You make a mistake in motorcycle racing, easy, okay? Easy. Pump the brakes, (laughs) easy. But like in football, in in basketball, in baseball, whatever, wrestling, tennis, golf, if you make a mistake, make that mistake 100%. And then try to learn from it after the fact, okay? All right. That is my show for today. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who subscribes. Leave a five-star review. Again, I am on Amazon Music, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, I do appreciate constructive criticism. Uh, Again, you know, don't just reach out to me. No, you fucking suck. Well, that doesn't help me help you any. I'm just going to continue sucking. So tell me why I suck. And I'll try to work on that so that I can put the best show for you guys out there possible. All right? Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will talk with you later.